Welcome to the Let's Get Real podcast with Justin and Trisha Davis. Honest conversations about life, love, and leadership. So welcome. Welcome to the Let's Get Real podcast with Justin and Trisha Davis. And we are super excited today because we have a bonus episode for you with our good friend, Lindsay Nobles. And you may remember from episode 14, we said this is part one of a two-part conversation. And so today we're giving you the second part of our conversation. They're recorded two years apart. And so lots of transition, lots of changes have taken place. We can't wait to share this episode with you. Hey, but before we dive into this episode with Lindsay Nobles, we want to tell you about a special night that's coming up on Thursday, April the 6th. That is the first Thursday of April. And those of you that have been around for a while, you know that the first Thursday of every month is what we call Marriage Masterclass Thursday. And so 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday, April 6th, we're going to be hosting a brand new free masterclass and it's called Beyond Roommates. And we're going to be talking about how to reconnect in marriage. And so if you are in a season of your marriage where you're not really feeling that emotional connection, you maybe have kind of lost your way in your marriage relationship and you feel more like roommates than you do lovers, that is totally normal and it happens to a lot of couples. And we want to help you. And we're going to have a very special guest join us uh, right after she launches her second book. Her name is Jackie Brewster and Jackie's going to be joining us for this masterclass class and Jackie is an Enneagram coach and consultant and she is going to blow your mind during this masterclass and it's absolutely free. So go to refineus.org slash masterclass and you can register for free and then you'll get some information from us as we get closer to that April 6th date. We can't wait to have you join us for that free masterclass on Thursday, April the 6th. So without any further delay, welcome to this episode of the Let's Get Real podcast with Lindsay Nobles. Well, welcome back to the Let's Get Real podcast. We are here with part two of our conversation with our good friend, Lindsay Nobles. Hello, Lindsay. Hello. Thanks for having me back. I know. It's so good. And unless you're like really, really paying attention, you would never know that these conversations are two years apart. So thanks for coming (laughs) back and still being our friend two years after part one. We'll get into the the reason why uh, we had a two-year gap uh, in a little while, but so thankful for just your honesty in our last episode that we just released last week. Uh, but we want to revisit that. And for those that don't know you, or maybe you're just tuning in for the very first time, tell us a little bit about you and who you are and where you live and all that. Oh gosh. I never know how to answer this question. Um, <laughs> I live in Nashville. That part's easy. <laughs> um, and I, I guess I'm lots of things. I, um, I'm super passionate about building community and life transformation. And so that's had me kind of do all sorts of jobs in my past. I've done everything from publishing to nonprofit work to um, now I'm at Onsite. Um, we are an emotional health retreat center and so much more. Um, so I lead the marketing and the digital team there. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I also am a mom now. Yes! Like, oh my gosh. We didn't want to like give it away, but that is so cool. That's it's what been kinda... like Christmas because on the last episode, I'm like part two, stay tuned. And we just talked about that whole journey. So share with us. I mean, let's just take a deep dive into last time we talked. It was like you were entering into this. Yep. And really starting to like be proactive in it. And I would love 
for you to kind of share that journey to your special little guy who I'm obsessed with. You guys. Yeah. So it's been, it's kind of a gift that we had this big gap because there's just a lot that's happened. Yeah. So much has happened. Yeah. It was really fun to go back and listen to that episode and be like, Oh, um, just acknowledging who I was then and who I am now and all the change that's happened and, um, all of the work and prayers and things that got me here. So, uh, felt really grateful to have that moment in time captured so I can go back and just reflect on it. So it's fun. So So the last two years. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think, um, when we talked last, I was just beginning the process of, uh, securing a donor embryo, um, and beginning the process of transferring that, uh, that donor embryo. And so I actually went through that process twice. The first time I had what they call a chemical pregnancy where your, all your hormones and your levels are going up. And so they tell you you're pregnant and then they start plummeting. And so you realize that the, the baby will not survive. And so, um, I remember that I remember just the tenderness of the very small group of people that you allowed to know that you were pregnant. And I just, you know me, I'm just crazy. And so it was like, do I go nuts in this moment? Like what's appropriate? Because I was so excited. But also because of the heartbreak on the other side of it was just, man, it was a really tender place for you. Yeah. Yeah, it was so tender and, um, you know, it happened right around the holidays. Uh, I had done my transfer in early November. So I found out like right before Thanksgiving and, um, yeah, it just, I honestly now kind of have gratitude for the experience because I think it was like another opportunity to ground in that desire uh, of like, Oh, I really wanted this, you know, like, um, I, the loss felt so real and it, um, instead of letting that sort of like defeat me and give up at that point, um, I like decided to kind of double down and I didn't take that process lightly. I like when I had entered the process of fertility, I know that that can be, kind of an endless journey for some people of disappointment. And so I just Mm. went into it kind of saying like, I'm going to take this like one decision at a time. Mm. And so, um, I really thought that I would do one embryo transfer. And if that worked, I would sort of enjoy the fruit of that. And if not that I, you know, like reassess. And so I actually spent time with my therapist sort of talking about the options and she, did some experiential therapy, which is a practice that we also use at onsite, but she had me like stand in different places on the room, like around the room. She like had me stand. She like designated like this stand here. And if you stand here, this is where you like envision sort of giving up on, on this journey of motherhood and then stand here. And this would be like pursuing some, a different route to motherhood, like adoption And then she had me stand and the idea of pursuing more fertility and trying again. And it was so, it's so interesting that when you um, use that experiential methodology, I like couldn't stand in either of the two places comfortably of the place of adoption or the place of 
sorry, the place of pursuing adoption or the place of giving up, it was like became very clear in my body when I stood in the place of trying again, that that's what I needed to do. And that's where I was. Um, And so ended up trying again and it took and now I have a 15 month old baby named Ben. (laughs) He is a cutie. We got to, I got to meet him for the first time a few weeks ago. And we have a, a similar love for basketball. Yes, and, very uh, into balls. Yes. And so I, I really left uh, your house with just this affinity uh, for, I, I mean, I'm done now with all of my own kids pursuing basketball. So I might have to come, <laughs> might have to come down and be, be your assistant coach at his, uh, you know, his bitty I, ball team sometimes. I don't think he's going to be tall enough to be a basketball <laughs> player, unfortunately. <laughs> The early signs are not pointing in that direction, but he does have great ball skills. So maybe we could make, make something happen. Soccer. I mean, yeah, whatever. Anything with a ball I'm I'm down with. He is so dreamy. And it was, it was interesting trying to come up with questions that weren't like uh, where you would be like, Trish, I know you love Ben, but it's time to like move on (laughs) about other conversations, but to know you, uh, we talked in the the our the last podcast how you and I have journeyed some miles together, and yeah. in literal, that literal, literal like miles. literally, um, to know Lindsay is she loves to sing, and you literally know every lyric to every song I think ever created in any genre. It's it's amazing. Yeah. So when we were in Nashville, what was that like a hey, couple and I weeks ago? I have a ago? terrible voice. Well, I wasn't <laughs> going to say that, but it's well, I can. It's it's adorable. It's awful. In yeah. a in a different the lyrics, way. Remembering the lyrics is where my gifting is, and not <laughs> yes. in actually singing them. So, you turn on this song from No Doubt called "Hey Baby, Hey Baby, Hey," and well, I don't even think that's probably the name of it. That's the definitely the gist, though. I think the and, name is just "Hey Baby, Hey Baby," and you guys, Benny boy, Ben just starts singing "Hey Baby, Hey Baby, Hey, Hey Baby, <laughs> Hey Baby, Hey," and I'm like. Oh my gosh, this is so your child. It was awesome. I know. He's very into the music. Uh, That's amazing. It's amazing. Go back to the the experiential standing and what what is the my the methodology and the mindset behind that? Is it is it association? Is it aligning your body with your heart? Like what was the what's the, the I, thought behind that? And then the out obviously the outcome was to con- continue, but Yeah, um, it is, I think experiential is sort of getting out of our, just our heads and into our heart and our bodies. And it's amazing sort of what we can learn when we make that journey out of Mm -hmm. our heads. Um, I think it, in our heads, we store a lot of knowledge. We store a lot of reason. Um, and so it's easy to think that that's the whole picture, especially in today's a uh, world where um, reasoning is so highly valued. Um, but I think this, the picture is actually bigger than that, you know, of like, where are we holistically and what do we truly want? And so there's something uh, when you can sort of s- s- sort of silence your head a bit and get into a more holistic space about that, like is revealed hmm. about what you truly want or need in that moment. And so 
Um, I am not a verbal processor. And so for me, experiential therapy has always been such a helpful tool and like helping me um, sort of understand what's happening inside of myself more, if that makes any sense. Um, like an example of it at onsite, we use experiential therapy in our programs, our group programs. And so when I did the living centered program, we um, sort of had people kind of move around the room and showcase like sort of what their family of origin look like. And our, the therapist, my, my mind is like watching other people do this and thinking like, this is absurd. Like, are they just up there like placing people? And then, you know, like what I just was like, so doubtful. And I'm like, I'm not going to know how to do this, but I sort of had to turn all that off. And when it was my turn, like begin to say how I'd represent my family, utilizing character, like utilizing the people in the room as characters in my family. Hmm. And the observations of the therapist about how I did that, she saw things that I hadn't even intended to reveal Yeah, around like I had said that everyone was holding hands and then I wouldn't actually let the person that was next to me hold my hand. I kept shrugging it off. And the therapist was like, what's that about? And I was like, Oh my gosh, I have no idea, but that is, there is something there, you know, it just is. um, There's like lots of books about trauma. One that's very popular is called the body keeps the score. And I think that there's like amazing connectivity and insight to be learned when we can like move beyond just our heads and into our hearts and our bodies. Um, So that was just an example for me. And the I, I just in if I had answered Jen my therapist question about like what do you want to do I just felt so blocked I felt like I I know that these are my options but I don't know I it would be easy to say I'm not going to pursue fertility again because it's expensive because it didn't work last time because I've watched a lot of people like just stay committed to this and it like provided this like long journey of strife and misery and so I I think that like that's where the reason would have caught up to me but but what my body told me was like I am not ready to let this go Mm. I need to keep pursuing this I am not I do not feel comfortable with moving out of this space and moving into the space of pursuing something different or really allowing myself to fully grieve this desire. That's so good. What I, what I love about your story is it always comes back, you know, really the beginning of your journey was the beginning of a mental health journey that, you know, in our prior podcast together, you talked about attending on site. This is before you were on staff and kind of, you know, that was the beginning journey. And I think sometimes we put ourselves like on an Island and really like silo ourselves to say, okay, so this part of my life, I want to be a mom. And so I just need to go and do this when really like there's so much of a holistic approach to it that, you know, you got to experience and are experiencing motherhood from such a holistic place because it's like you've 
learn to right size expectations, even as Lindsay the person, and then even Lindsay as the mom. Why do you think, um, you know, we were talking, Justin and I were talking about this through COVID, there was a just a mental health crisis that was already brewing, but it was like, with that, with COVID, it was like a collective trauma. What have yeah. you seen through OnSite has been, you know, some of maybe change or things that you've noticed when it comes to mental health? Yeah, I think you're right. I think that the scene was sort of already set and then COVID like exacerbated it and brought visibility to the crisis that was already kind of brewing or existing underneath the surface. Um, and I think in some ways, in some ways it's, it's good that now we're all aware of it. Um, and that we, like we can, if we can truly see it, we can begin to chip away at solving it. Um, but we definitely are seeing, you know, such a trend in people, um, needing help and a trend in people being willing to get help. Um, I think there over the last, you know, decades, there's been a normalization of the idea of going to therapy. Um, it is changing both across the board and you look at like younger generations and they have totally embraced it, uh, which is really cool to see. Um, it's not even a question for them. Mm. I look at like my nieces and they're like high school, college age, they and all their friends kind of like go to therapy, talk about therapy. It's just so normal. Yeah. Um, and I feel like in our generation, it's normal and um, pockets, you know, yes. or, around issues, you know, versus the idea of kind of just going to for the maintenance and the idea of like, we need to constantly be pursuing health in this area. Um, and so, um, yes, I think a lot of people are suffering. I think COVID, um, the isolation and the quick, uh, sort of elimination of our medicating behaviors, be that work, be that church, be that so well, social media. It was like some of our unhealthy medicators, right. like were very accessible and some of our healthier medicators got taken away. And so I think that that sort of shook things up. Um, and then I think also just the sort of the constant new 24 seven new cycle and feeling like there's so much conflict in America and around the world that we feel like a part of in a way that we have like that's different than the way we've experienced that in the past. Um, I think social media and our access to uh, what everyone else is doing all the time is not necessarily helpful. Yeah. Um, so I think there's like, again, all these things and COVID just exacerbated them um, that are creating an interesting need for mental health services in ways that has never existed before. One of the things that I, I feel like is so is very true about you is you're a very self-sufficient person. You're, you're, you're very successful. You're driven. Um, you have this, you know, you're, you're a strong leader. Was it a difficult decision for you to 
I don't know, admit is maybe too strong. Acknowledge, hey, I need some help in this in this area, mentally, emotionally, and and pursue something like on site. Was that a was that a stigma or a, a transition that you had to make of like I'm going to kind of lower this, you know, this armor that that we all have to have at times? Yeah, I I think that, you know, I'm an Enneagram four. I don't know if your listeners or if you if you are familiar with the Enneagram, if y'all fully like uh dove into the Enneagram as a resource. But so as a four, like authenticity is my jam and I really appreciate that. So for me, my barrier was not as much around external perceptions of me because I'm like very comfortable with people like seeing my mess. And in some ways I've been able to use that as like a way of drawing people into myself, mm-hmm. um, drawing people towards me. Um, it, my fear and the things that kind of kept me away from onsite was more around or, or something like onsite was like the relinquishing of control <laughs> hmm. and like fear around like, what am I going to find out about myself? What if I can't do it right? What if, like, I just was nervous about sort of where it would take me and my ability to like know how to handle that, hmm. you know? Yeah, that's good. Like, I don't like to not be successful at, at things yeah. that I'm doing. Yeah. And so yeah. And I'm not, again, I'm not a verbal processor. And so I just was like kind of worried about like how I was going to be able to show up and perform even in like getting help. Hmm, like I good. remember I had a conversation with a therapist after onsite that I kept saying like, I don't know how to do this. And she was like, you just stop doing it. Like, <laughs> and it was like all about letting go. And I'm like, no, tell me how to let go. And she was like, just let go. <laughs> and so it just is funny. It's like, I think we all have different vantage points or things that we're working on that keep us from getting the help we need. Um, but mine were sort of comical now to look back and think of it. I'm like, that's silly. It, um, we've shared a little bit on the podcast, our, our journey of, you know, where we were, I guess it'll be two years in August of, yeah. Me finding out, well, both Justin for the second time, but us finding out (laughs) just another podcast (laughs) in and of itself, um, you know, within a couple days apart that both of our dads weren't our dads. And for Mm. me, growing up with a Hispanic father and um, being a blonde, blue-eyed girl, um, like that attachment to my dad, I spent my whole life proving, but I never doubted that I was his daughter ever. And we're wired so much alike. And then just the betrayal, there was, there was so much trauma on top of this came on the heels of pastoring a church during COVID and a church that wasn't recovering well and adopting our two kids with just so much trauma and us having no idea how to raise or, you know, be parents to trauma kids. And I had just I just broke. And I remember being on the phone with you saying, I need help. Like, Mm. where do I go? And so I, you know, went to onsite for, I call it trauma camp because (laughs) 
You do. You, you get to stay in this cabin, and it's literally, I don't know. They do it right in the area of food. It's the best food ever. <laughs> but the reason I share that is I remember, like, my my brokenness was so fresh. It was, like, for me, more of, like, an emergency room to stop the bleeding. And I didn't know what I was doing, and I was in such a just such a state of mind that I could care less that I didn't know what I was doing. And I remember like part of that, um, ex- experiential therapy was to, you know, a lot of inner child work. And I guess I just didn't quite understand what was going on. And there was like this, this thing that we did where we had to like pick out this beanie baby that represented our inner child. And I just, I didn't want to talk to my inner child. I wanted to talk to the adult that was hurting right now and talk about doing it wrong. Like I, I didn't really understand what it meant at the time. And so I walked back to my cabin and I'm like, I don't want this. And my instructor on day one said, I can use my stop sign to say no. So I took my beanie baby inner child back to the head dude, which I didn't realize what I was doing wrong. And then when I went back to my cabin and told my cabin mates, they're like, Trish, you just took your inner child and dropped her off. <laughs> you abandoned your inner you child. You abandoned your inner child. <laughs> but what what I appreciated about that moment is from a different a different perspective, I didn't feel shame that I didn't know what I was doing. I was there mm. because I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And there was a kindness and a grace and the um the lead instructor, he sat down with me and just said, can we talk about this? And I think it's just this reminder that you don't have to have traumatic experiences to find wholeness. Um, But even if you come from traumatic experiences, wholeness is for everybody. And it's a, it's a, and it's a process of how we show up for it. And that in that process, then we, we get to this place. You made a statement. I wrote it down somewhere that on-site is a place to understand your past to have a better future. And I thought, man, how ha- that has so played out for just all of us on this podcast right now. Yeah. But especially when I think about your story, the holistic approach to it of being able to enter into this space of family as you create your own family it's like even when you feel like you're doing it wrong, the more you enter into the space of understanding your pain will always serve you better on the other side. And so here you are, you've done the work, you have this sweet baby boy who we're all like ridiculously obsessed with. And a statement you made and you know, two years ago when we had this conversation <laughs> was that you hoped that community you would make you rely on community more. How has that kind of come into fruition in this new season of motherhood? Yeah, I think it, um, I have always, you know, like been um, drawn to having a rich and diverse community. Um, And I would say in seasons when I was single and childless, that looked like really pursuing a lot of people that, had kids that I could invest in and um, yeah, and really just being a part of their family. And it's been so fun to now have a child 
and watch sort of the fruit of previous seasons, like come back where it's like watching like your son, Elijah, like came by and played with Ben or some (laughs) of our mutual friends, kids, like are my top babysitters. And it's just so fun to see these kids that I watch grow up, like love on Ben Mm -hmm. and love on me in that way. And, you know, like the thing that, I have also learned being a single mother is that there's just not a lot of margin built into the system or any at all. And so um, when Ben is like sick with daycare germs, inevitably (laughs) about every week, um, like it's amazing. Like the people that are showing up to help support me My, you know, like I've had a niece fly in and stay with Ben for a week. My, parents have like been so helpful um one of my best friends mothers um who is retired and home like loves watching Ben and so it just has been fun to like realize that like me being able to vocalize my need even though it makes me uncomfortable is like a gift to someone else Mm. yes yes well, um, so I was just going to say our, our family, you know, especially our older three boys, they're, they're different just because of your influence. You know, they are, our, our that Sunday, might not be a good thing. <laughs> no, but yeah. I mean, our, our Sunday afternoon lunches were, yeah. you know, they were, they were routine. It wasn't like we didn't really put anything on the counter. We just knew it was going to happen. And, and, you know, just your investment in them and your investment in our family, um, you know, I can't even quantify the influence that, you know, that you had in them and just your willingness to, you know, take us on, adopt us, you know, mm-hmm. as, as your, as your extended family was just so, so good. What, what would you say like to someone who maybe doesn't have that, or maybe a single mom that may be listening that just desires that, how could someone that is, you know, you think you use the word margin you know, just doesn't feel like they have margin for relationships, doesn't feel like they have margin to ask for help. What would be your advice to maybe someone that is in your shoes, but doesn't feel that sense of community that, that you've been able to be blessed with? Yeah, it's hard, you know, like I think everybody has like unique giftings and unique circumstances. And so I know that like what has worked for me isn't going to work for everybody else, you know, Mm -hmm. um, And I am so glad that I had that margin where I had, like, I'm so glad that I had that season where I had margin and I used it to invest in people that now have margin to invest back in me, back into me when I don't have margin. You know, it's like, I do think relationships have to be reciprocal. And so it's hard when you're in that season sort of of need. Um, And only kind of showing up with a need, you know? And yeah. so it, 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 I, I just know it's a challenge, but I do think our way forward is relationships. You know, I think yeah. that there are people out there that are in a season that's different from ours that have what we need. And so it's, I, I like, I'm trying to solve that problem in my head of like, how do we like really create uh, a world where, we are more honest about both 
our resources that we have and the need we have so that we can share, you know, because yeah. I, I do think it's the way forward, but I acknowledge also that it's messy and trying to figure out how to, um, sort of optimize your relationships in hard seasons. If that makes any sense. I, I really resonate with that because I think I would be, I think, I think other people would consider me and I would consider myself a relational leader. Like I, I typically lead through relationships, but if I'm not careful, I, the relationships can become very transactional for me. Yes. Yeah. And so I, I'm constantly trying to evaluate, like I'm in the process of, I, we were talking offline, I'm in the process of finishing up this book that comes out in October and I'm in the stage of asking for endorsements. And it's hard because some of the people I'm asking for endorsements I haven't talked to in five or six years, seven years. You know what I mean? And so I feel like I'm only going to them when I want something or when I need something. And it, you can't really be everything to everyone. So I'm, I'm, kind, I'm trying to put it in a category of this is part of the, this is part of life. Yeah. This is part of the deal. But at the same time, I think, it, I think we're all prone to like be in relationships with people to the extent that it benefits us. And sometimes it's conscious, sometimes it's, it's not even conscious. And so I think just being aware of that and, and wanting to invest in people when there's nothing left to gain other than a relationship and there's no transaction to be had, I think is a challenge, especially in a social media driven type of world where you see the best of people a lot, you know, online. So I really resonate with, with what you're saying there. It's, it's a balance of asking the question, what do you need? And, and then being a listener of what the need is, because sometimes we don't know. And like, when do we need to be bossy and when do we need to be quiet? And it's, it's ever changing. So, you know, the season that you're in, that was really the only season we knew in our early twenties, cause we had kids so crazy young that it was like, I loved, loved, loved my friends who either had older kids or didn't have kids because they were, they had the capacity to love us in a way that, you know, they brought the party with them. So we'd put the kids down and start movie night or game night at eight o'clock. And it was awesome, you know, and I didn't feel like I had to apologize but at the same time, they wouldn't have understood that need had I not it, explained it to them. Yeah. And I, I think, I and you know this about me, like, I'm, I'm pretty passionate and vocal about my single friends because they're, I've never been single. Like, I went to college and had a roommate literally. and then I got married. <laughs> like, I literally, I have not, I love you, babe, but like, but in that, like, what listening to my friends that have been single there's almost like this unspoken I don't even know what to call it like thought process that you your needs don't matter like unless you have kids and you have a married you're married and you have a dog and a fence that like you your needs aren't that great what needs do you have and I believe that for single people, they're even greater because you have to depend on yourself and you have to continually be vocalized, vocalizing what you need. And it can be exhausting. Yeah. And so I think it's very interesting hearing your perspective of it's such a beautiful perspective and something that I want those who are single to listen to is that you did not wait for your circumstances to give you the green light to cultivate 
healthy relationships. And now because you have done such that hard work, this season that you find yourself in is allowing those those relationships that you have poured into to then come alongside you in this season of life. And it's been so, so fun. It's been so fun. And um, in that, I don't say that lightly. And so I think just to encourage the person that's listening, um, you know, to this podcast, I saw, I read this on the United States Census Bureau that there's over 126.9 million single people in the United States. You know, like that's a lot of people to, that need to hear that they are valued and that they are seen and that you can dream big dreams outside of like what the American it needs to look like way. And I would even go beyond just the American way, but even the American church, the American church almost like declassifies or second class citizens, single people of like, you have to be married and have kids to be valued. And, you know, we're trying to reach young families. We're trying to reach young, you know, marrieds. We're, you know, we're we're valuing young kids. And that isn't very important, but I think sometimes there's a subliminal message given to single people like, you can really belong here or you can really arrive once you're married. And that's, <laughs> I just don't see that being the heart of God at all. No, so, no. Um, I, I don't know if you felt that um, in your church experience, but I, I feel like there's a, sure. there's definitely a kind of a, a subtlety or maybe sometimes overt uh, message given to single people like, you know, you're not really complete yet. Yes, I think that's true. And I do think uh, like, you know, some of it is in like fear of like protecting marriage, you know, but I think that churches really need to wrestle with like who is attending. And I think the, some of the stats that I've seen, I haven't looked lately that I think the percentage of unmarried adults is actually bigger than the percentage of married adults. And then you think about how, you know, like maybe we do a relationship series and one of them is on singleness and three are on marriage. You're like, do we need to reframe this? And, and not that you're like recentering singleness over marriage, but like just thinking more holistically about relationships and um, things like that. So that's, that's good. As we uh, wind down, um, cause you know me, I'll just keep asking you all the questions and then I'll be like, let's see pictures of Ben. Let's look at <laughs> pictures of Ben. Check out our Instagram. He's pretty amazing. Um, how has becoming a mom changed your relationship with God? Oh, it's hard to, I mean, I would say, you know, I have been in a season just of, I feel like in some ways, like trying to dismantle the things that were like religiosity or um, even like untangle who God is from who the church is and from who my past woundings might be from that are ministry related. You know, it's like for a while, my friendships, my uh, relationship with God and my work was all tangled up together. Mm-hmm. And so I, one of the gifts of the season and working at onsite, uh, which is faith inclusive. And so it's definitely God's a part of the conversations that we have there, but it's not just coming from one point of view or from one religion. And so it's bigger and more expansive, um, within my work environment. 
I think that is freed up to let God be God, you know? And like, I, so I would say generally in this season, I feel like I have like a sweet relationship with God. I feel very appreciative Mm. of like his presence and that I think as a mom, the fact that like he is in control of all things, like just feels relieving, <laughs> uh, <laughs> relieves some of the pressure and the responsibility of like, Hey, I'm going to do the best I can, but I can't control everything. Um, but I, I also feel like it's just been really a gift to be able to untangle him from some of those other things that weren't him, you know, mm-hmm. but I sort of lumped in with him. That's good. So good. Well, I just want to say for the record, um, I don't know if I've ever really articulated this publicly, but um, when we were in Nashville, you were such a champion of us and our ministry. Mm. And I don't know that our book would exist without you, our first book. Um, I don't know if our ministry now would exist, just you helping Trish connect to onsite and get the help that she needed. God placed you at the right place at the right time Mm -hmm. to make that connection. And so I just want to say thank you because it's been a hard couple of years for us and Mm -hmm. just how God has used you in strategic moments in our life and ministry has just been so um, amazing. And so I just want to say thanks. Well, I'll try not to get too emotional because, you know, I, love you. I like crying. <laughs> <laughs> and we like watching him cry. I know we do. Well, I, I appreciate so much about you. We can't say it more in just the life of authenticity that you lead, um, both in the very messy, sad, um, unknown parts of life. And then just the beauty and the healing and the you know, looking forward to what God continues to have for you. Um, it's such a gift to have this, this view of it. And so we're excited to be those crazy people that are going to show up at all the things for Ben. And they're going to be like, who is this kid? Because there's like literally thousands of people who are showing up for this one kid. And, and two years from now, part three of this <laughs> conversation. <laughs> oh. We'll see where we are then. All right. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Thank you. Well, that was worth the wait. Two years in the making and incredible insight from our friend Lindsay. And if you are struggling with mental health issues, we can't encourage you enough to reach out to OnSite, go onto their website. Uh, If you just do a quick search of OnSite Tennessee, it'll come up. And we'll also leave the website in the show notes as well. But we have something coming up that we want to let you know about and remind you of. April the 6th is a Thursday night. We have our masterclass coming up. The title of this masterclass is Beyond Roommates discovering a deep connection in your marriage. And we're inviting our good friend, and actually it's a mutual friend of Lindsay's, Jackie Brewster, to be a part of this masterclass. And Jackie is releasing a book this month called The Enneagram and Your Marriage. And she's going to help us walk through how we're wired and our personality types and how that can impact our connection in our marriage relationship. And so in order to register, just go to refineus.org slash masterclass. Thanks for joining us on this episode, and we'll see you next time.